With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On today's episode of Warriors Off Court, I'm joined by Andy Thompson, the cameraman who filmed all that behind-the-scenes footage you see in the Last Dance documentary, and the uncle to Clay Thompson. Andy detailed what it was like being in the Bulls locker, how frustrating it was to wait 22 years to see his work come to fruition, and, of course, his views on where those Chicago teams rank among the greatest modern NBA dynasties. Andy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm one of the millions of viewers in the United States that's been locked in on this Last Dance documentary. It's been incredible. You know, I grew up in the 90s, coming up, coming of age during those years, and uh, just to, to go down memory lane has been an unbelievable opportunity. I'm curious, you know, what this experience has been like for you as someone who was in the locker room and documenting all this and then to wait, you know, 20, 20 or so years for this to all come out. What what has this entire experience been like just the past couple of weeks, seeing the type of response this has gotten? It's been overwhelming, to tell you the truth. It, it, nobody ever thought it would be this big of a, of a, of a reception from an American audience and, and just how unbelievable the response has been. I mean, we knew when we shot it and the way Michael Jordan ended that 98 season with that steal and that shot that we had the holy grail of all sports documentaries in the can. But no one could predict that it would take 20 years and you know, multiple interviews and just multiple cuts that it ended up being what it is because initially we thought we were going to get this out within two or three years. And if we had done that, it would have probably been a traditional doc, which was, you know, normally at that time, 90 minutes to two hours. But to see what Mike Tolan and Jason here were able to do to take what we shot 20 years ago, use it as a as a narrative to go back and tell all these great stories of all of these guys and pretty much give them their due over 10 episodes is just unbelievable. So I am so thankful that we didn't get our, our way back you know, in <laughs> 2000 or, you know, 1998 that it was, it, it got even better because the, the passage of time has made everybody a little bit more nostalgic and be more truthful and, be more reflective, and it's it's the right right uh, documentary at the right time. At the time, how how frustrating was that though to have put in all this work to be shadowing this team every day, and then just have it put on hold indefinitely like that? Oh, for sure, it's definitely frustrating because once again, everybody with a pair of eyes and ears can see what we got. So everybody, not only me, that was, that took part in this, from the executive producers and my cameraman and. Salman, the guys who, who who sweated and were in the field with this team, even the players, whenever they saw me year after year, when is this getting get be made? When is this coming out? And it was frustrating when we couldn't give them a real answer. So it's finally here. So here we go. <laughs> uh, so 
I'm just kind of curious, where where were you kind of at in your life, you know, during that 97, 98 season? Um, and, and what made you, you know, want to do this? And kind of tell us a little bit about just the backstory on your personal level. Well, I really, I really started loving documentaries in 92 after I was chosen by NBA Entertainment. I was a producer at that time, a young producer, to um, to document the whole Dream Team process. So for seven weeks I was embedded with the Dream Team and on buses and airplanes and practices and all over the place. And we started shooting like documentary style, which was so different from what the NBA were, were used to shooting at back in those days. And so I really saw how how much we were capturing and just how different it was uh, you, to see the players in situations that you would normally not see them in real life, you know, whether it be in a hotel suite or in the back of a bus. And so I really loved the way we were shooting it. I loved the whole process of shooting it. And once that, the, the Dream Team ended, I started watching more documentaries, and, and I really became fascinated and just loved the, the whole storytelling aspect of documentaries. But there wasn't any opportunity at that time in the NBA to do this type of shooting. But as the Bulls began to, to be, you know, to rise in popularity and Michael Jordan's status and stardom just took off to another level, it became clear, like, if we're going to use this type of em- embedding with a team, this is the perfect team and this is the perfect player to do it with. And it was just the right time when Adam Silver became president of NBA Entertainment in the summer of 97. The Bulls are threatening to be broken up, and I and I convinced Adam, hey, if the Bulls come back one more year, we've got to put a team. You got to allow me to 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 have a camera crew embedded with the team and just follow them for the entire year, and capture Michael's last year and the, the Bulls last year because this is the greatest team and player in history, and we have to do this. And he thought it was a great idea, and thank God Adam loved the idea and, and greenlit it. When when you're embedded with a team like that, I'm sure, you know, as, as someone myself who is a beat writer and in the locker rooms, I can understand what the kind of balancing act that, that goes into that, right, where you want to have the trust of the players, but you also, you know, you don't want to you don't want to go too far or, or make them uncomfortable, but you also want to do the story justice. Um, what was that process like for you, and how did you handle that kind of balancing act? Well, it's like walking on eggshells, right? Because this is unprecedented. This is unprecedented on many levels because you're spending days and weeks with a team everywhere, and they really didn't know us personally, and we didn't know them personally. The only person that I had a pretty decent relationship with was was Michael. I, I had you know a professional relationship with Scotty on a professional level, but I really wasn't a friend to Scotty, and so you're just trying to not you know, make any false steps, you know, to have the cameraman in the wrong place at the wrong time or have the boom microphone interfere with a with a team meeting or a practice setting. And so you're just constantly just worried about not doing something that gets you kicked out of a practice or gets you kicked out of a team meeting. So it was it was a lot of nerve-wracking days of, of trying to feel them out and them trying to feel us out until finally... You know, it, it just has to happen organically, and then as they get to know you and you get to know their idiosyncrasies, then you get to a place where they start feeling comfortable. But until that, it was it was very uh, nerve wracking. Watching episodes three and four, um, one of the things that amazed me was that you had access to Dennis Rodman 
in Las Vegas that you were actually a fly on the wall during, you know, those escapades, or at least for part of them. What was that experience like, you know, just following around Dennis and his element away from the court? It was interesting, you know. It, it, you, you, you can only imagine that you, you've got to you got to be a fly on the wall because you're you're in clubs and you're in bars and restaurants and you don't want to spend you can't you know any restaurant's not gonna let you spend hours in there so you have to go in and at the right time and get your shots and then know when to back out. So that was always a challenge of do we do we follow on this particular trip or do we do we not do we do we ask? Do we? Oh, do we just follow? So it was once again. It was interesting trying to keep up with Dennis, but you know we were at the right places at the right time. I'm glad we were. Yeah, and you obviously knew even in that moment that that Vegas trip was important in the the narrative of the story arc of that season, just given how unique of a situation that was. Listen, man, at, when you're doing a documentary, a lot of things you're. You, you don't even worry about how is this how is this going to fit in. You're just once again. I'm trying not to get thrown out of uh, a restaurant or a club or a bar. So you're not thinking big term. You're just like, let me just capture something to, so that this trip is worthwhile or this particular shoot is worthwhile. So you're not thinking long term. You just get your shots and get out. We'll have more of my conversation with Andy Thompson right after the break. Were there any moments during that season where you just kind of you just said to yourself, "Wow, I can't believe that I'm documenting this," you know? And I, I'm, I'm specifically asking about kind of behind the scenes type stuff. We all know the craziness that happened on the court, but were there any moments that really stuck out to you behind the scenes? Well, there's a whole bunch. Obviously, there's you know there's that moment just in practice where I always talk about when Michael is instructing Scottie Pippen and Ron Harper. And Scottie Pippen's an all-star, but Michael is is basically holding camp like he's trying to teach these guys the most efficient way to get to the basket. And we're on our cameras are right there on top of it, and we're and it's just amazing to see just how this this technician that Michael is, you know, giving a lesson to Scottie and Ron Harper, who were all-stars in their own rights, and or just listening to Phil and you know, basically address the team in certain situations and our cameras are rolling and and you're like, man, this is pretty sacred ground and that we're we're capturing this this moment. So yeah, there there's moments like that that really stand out. Just being around the team every day, I'm sure you got a really good pulse on just the locker room dynamics, you know, what roles guys fit in that locker room. What did you see Steve's role, you know, off the court in the locker room at that time? I always say Steve was probably one of the most grounded people that I've ever met, not only on, not only on the Bulls, but just in the NBA. Steve understood his his position in in society, like you know he's he's a he's a regular guy, and on the team that he was a part of a, a, a team. He wasn't the alpha male. He's not the lead dog, but he was a perfect complementary teammate who knew his role and was just happy to do it and. Him being such a regular guy and understanding his place in history, I think he also understood why our crew was there, that we were capturing a moment in history. And he he went out of his way to just be accommodating. And every time I needed a, a default answer, if 
other players were kind of hard to to get certain days, I could always count on going up to Steve, and he'd be happy to give me a a sound bite or a little bit of a nugget that would that would help sum up what I was looking for. After episode four came out uh, on Sunday, last Sunday, um, Clay posted a video uh, talking about when he got uh, the autograph from Michael that season. Uh, do you remember that that night when uh, when when Michael, when your brother Michael brought brought his sons to the locker room and they got those autographs? I sure was. I, I was the person who actually shot that. I had my 16-millimeter <laughs> camera, which was a little Bolex camera. And I, I remember my brother was waiting and waiting for Michael to come out, and Michael always takes a long time to come out. And I and I definitely wanted to capture that on, on film, and I, and I remember shooting it. But here's the thing. I remember shooting it, and then, of course, 20 years go by, and they're making the film. And then one of our... Uh, archivist says, hey, do you remember this shot? And I was like, oh, man, I forgot that I even shot it. <laughs> so yeah. I was, yeah, I had forgotten that I even shot it. And so it was really a surprise when I saw it again after 20 years. And then, of course, when Clay and Michael saw it, then it just, wow, they they freaked them out. <laughs> Have there been a lot of those types of moments, uh, you know, where watch, you, you shot hundreds of hours of film. I'm sure you don't remember every detail of every moment you shot but watching the documentary we were like oh yeah i was there i i remember that now like it's all kind of coming back to you yeah for sure certain shots that i especially on my camera that i pick up i got my my main cameraman michael winnick he is focused on the main guys like jordan and pippen and phil and so he's he's been trained like if you even think something's going on you got to pay attention to those guys first with my camera i pick up the auxiliary stuff. I pick up the Scotty Burrells. I pick up the fans who are leaning over to try to get the autograph or, you know, the other angle. So I remember everything the main cameras get because they're main. it's the main camera. But when I shoot stuff, some of that stuff just gets lost in the weeds because it's just so many little clips. They're not really long clips. I have to shoot in short bursts. And so the, a lot of my things that I shoot have only been 20 seconds, 30 seconds long because it, the, the camera, you have to wind it up, it, it rolls out. So a lot of that stuff gets lost in the process. So if ne- every now and then when I see one of my shots, I was like, man, I can't believe I shot that. I'm glad I, I had the camera pointed at Jerry Krause at this particular time. So, yeah, that's, that, it's surprising at times. So when, when people have that debate of what's the, the best modern NBA dynasty, everyone talks about the Showtime Lakers, the Jordan Bulls, and then people are starting to talk about these Warriors. Um, you probably have a better vantage point for that for that discussion than anyone because your brother Michael was on the Showtime Lakers, your nephew Clay was on the, the Warriors, and then you were behind the scenes with those Bulls and embedded with those Bulls. Um, what, what, where do you stand in that in that argument? I always say that in terms of popularity, the Jordan Bulls are in another stratosphere. They are the the, the 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 fan the fandom around them is just crazy. I mean, they packed sixty two thousand people in the Georgia Dome to watch Michael's last game. There'll be two thousand people lined up outside of the hotel just to watch the guys walk from the hotel to the bus. That never happened with the, the Lakers because I was there with my brother from time to time on road trips with him. That same thing with the Warriors. I've been on. 
five years following the Warriors, and there's nothing close to that. So in terms of fans and just the the crazy Beatlemania around the Bulls, not, nothing compares. When it comes to the franchises and what they've done in the dynasties, the Lakers and the Bulls are neck and neck, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to pick because each one has iconic, incredibly gifted players, probably, you know, you know, they call what do they call it? The uh, Mount Rushmore couple of players on that. Yeah, depends on if you like purple or if you like red. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what when you you've gotten to do so many cool things in your career? Um, you know, the past several decades. Is is this in some ways? Is this is this emerging as as one of the most rewarding? experiences in your career working on The Last Dance just because of the type of attention it's gotten and, and the fact that it, it, was, it took so long to come to light. Um, how, how's, how does this rank for you personally? Yeah, I always tell people, even before this documentary came out, that working on that last championship and documenting that last season was one of the top two things that I have ever done in my career because of just the, the the historical importance of capturing Michael in his last championship and the Bulls and all their glory and right before they were broken up. You can't ask for a better assignment than that, than to document one of the greatest players and one of the greatest franchises in the world and for it to end the way it did. If they had lost, it would have still been a great experience, but the fact that they won and one in such dramatic fashion, man, that that in itself is storybook. What, what was the other one that ranked up there? Was that the Dream Team? Oh yeah, for sure, it's the Dream Team, man. That <laughs> the greatest team in the history of mankind, and be able to to see that come together from day to day, and then be in Barcelona when they won, man, that might be number one. I go back and forth all the time. I don't know which is one or two. <laughs> <laughs> And that ended up being helpful too, right? Because that was when you developed a relationship with Michael, right? And and yeah. that had to help in your process with uh, filming that last Bulls team. Yeah. Awesome, Andy. Well, I I really I really appreciate you taking the time. It means a lot. Um, I've I've got to see you around all the time, but I don't think we've ever actually formally got to meet. So thank you so much for for coming on the podcast, and I can't wait for Sunday. I, I you know, this is these are the highlights of my week now, you know. <laughs> Let's just get through the quarantine. Let's watch Last Dance on Sunday. I agree, man. Nice talking <laughs> to you. Our thanks to Andy Thompson for joining me on the podcast. It was great hearing from someone who was a driving force behind the most popular sports documentary in years. Maybe ever. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 